Thank you for listening to Return to Roots Mildevet Resource Podcast, where we document our shared experiences, stories, and transitioning and reintegrating from the military to the community. For more information, go to mill2vet.com. If you have little ears, ensure you listen to the content before you allow them to listen. And if you are in crisis and homelessness, suicide ideations, or incarceration, dial 211 Courage to Call for assistance. Now, stand by for the sound of freedom. Return to Roots. Today we're speaking with Scott Medlin. He's a transition to Marine from back in 2007. Followed that up with 15 years of law enforcement. He's a speaker. He authors, creates content. He just stays presenting at first responder conferences and police academies. Real good, strong presence on Police One and Law Enforcement Today, which are very, very followed police podcasts. He's got his channel called The Ten Code Mindset. Look him up on YouTube. Good stuff. Currently serving as a law enforcement coach with Performance Protocol and making differences out there on the line for our men and women in blue. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Scott Medlin. Well, thank you, Nooch. No pressure on me, Dal. <laughs> oh, none at all, man. You got this. Man. Hey, you're seasoned, man. Marine, man. You got that on the law. Got you cool as a cucumber. You got this. Yeah, cool as a cucumber. My wife says that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you, man. So after 15 years in law enforcement, man, we took you off the line and it's your current coaching and mentorship role, and especially with uh, down there with the conferences and the academies. Yeah, I got out completely in 2022 from law enforcement. It just wasn't working out with my family anymore, bottom line. And I left active law enforcement. I was, I went, my last two years on it for the most part were part-time, uh, working as a part-time uh, police officer at a university. But for 12, 13 years, I was at a, a city of about 90,000 population, 170 plus officers. And like I said, it wasn't working out with the family. We can go into that later if you want, but I realized I'm not going to be able to advance anymore in the career here, but I wasn't ready to leave law enforcement entirely. So I said, you know what, if I can't work in it, I'm going to work with it. And that's what led to me writing books and teaching and speaking literally coast to coast now. And uh, it's it's been a blessing and I've, and I've had a great time sharing the mistakes I made, the lessons I learned, but also what I've found out through research and life experiences about how we can really uh, a lot of times combat the, the morale issues we face, but also the, the alarming and dangerous statistics regarding mental health, which goes for veterans as well. So it's all kind of in sync with each other. How much similarity do you see between like the, um, I mean, because of course, police and law enforcement, sheriffs, the chippies, man, the whole thing, it's all very paramilitary. Um, mm -hmm. Just like that, how much, how much similarities? I mean, is it like damn near exactly the same minus, you know, it's all rank and file. What's, what's the similarities? What's the differences? Well, what I noticed throughout the years was, yeah, you have the rank and file, but then you have that, that camaraderie because you go through things that the most people will never experience. Uh, you have just like the, the camaraderie and then you have uh, like that calling, that passion. And, and some people just sign up for a job because they have to pay the bills. A lot of people get into the military because they feel a calling towards it. Or a lot of people get into law enforcement because they feel a calling towards it. 
and those were some things that that I definitely realized for both military and police, uh, just off the top of my head. And that's what really struck me as the most dynamic and obvious. But that also, with those aspects to it, it does make it harder to transition out of it. You just can't walk away from it. Uh, now, some do, I'm sure. But for the most part, it's it's really uh, a challenge to walk away and just be like, hey, this is something new I'm going to get into. It, it, it's a lot. It really is. With everything going on in society right now, um, a lot of stuff, I used to get a kick out of, oh, man, we got this many promoted, and this, that, and the other. It's like, bro, dude, there's this thing called attrition, dude. It, it, it's a thing. That's, that's one of the things that's directly proportional to the amount of promotions. And I got a feeling it's probably exactly the same on the, on the first line with y'all. But in the last, in the last, I don't know, five, seven plus years um, with the attitude change towards the first line. Um, how's that How's that affected the tenured guys or um, people wanting to move up or the recruitment trying to bring people in? How does how's that really impacted the law enforcement? It's really put a hurting on law enforcement. A lot of people are thinking, why would I ever get get into a job where I'm going to be subject to stuff like this, even if I'm in the right and some points still get criticized before all the facts come out. Why would I, why would I even get into a career like that? So it's definitely hurting recruiting, but also it is what it is. We need leaders. Military is no different leadership. People don't quit jobs. They quit people. Now I know if you're under contract in the military, you can't exactly quit, but (laughs) leadership is important. Where are the best units? Well, wherever the leaders are. So we'd really need some leadership. And then so far as those that are still in, like I was still working in 2020 when the pandemic happened. And then the, uh, the very unfortunate incident where that ex officer, uh, uh, killed George Floyd. I mean, I had never felt such weight putting on a police uniform like the day after that incident happened. I mean, just like, even though it was several States away from where I was, it was just, there was so much weight to it. And of course, yeah, but social media is in our hands, in our face. Yeah. All it doesn't matter what happens or where that magnitude come down hard on the cops, I'd imagine. It's crazy it, how it, it, something like from a micro fraction of a percentage of a group uh, of police officers, right, uh, did something wrong. And then it just kind of blasted out and made it look like everybody else is doing wrong when you got all these excellent people out there serving like actually serving and protecting the community, you know? So man, that, that sucks. And I've, we also have seen that at least in my military career, I was, I was a Guantanamo detainee guard. Okay. Gotcha. My youngest brother worked in Guantanamo and I heard all about that stress. And like one bad thing happened out of all these people. And, you know, you can't really imagine having to guard somebody that possibly was trying to take your actual life later on. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, um, I'm not trying to give, I can't really divulge like too much information on that, but right. like, that happened. That, that literally happened and you got to guard these people. And then, you know, one person does uh, one group of people that follows bad leadership um and just oh man it gave us such a bad rap but we did our best to hold that professionalism 
even facing, you know, uh, what you, what you experience all the time as a police officer. So man, that, yeah, that sucks. Well, Chris, you brought up a good point, how you did your best and, and the other ones did their best to be professional in light. And despite the bad that happened, uh, whenever the George Floyd incident happened in 2020, I just looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, okay, I have that much more I have to do to make people know that not all cops are like the one up in Minnesota, that ex cop. And, and I did that. I, I, I mean, I had already had a pretty successful career, no, no formal complaints. I mean, it, it was, it was just one of those where I was like, okay, I got to do this much more to shed light on who I am and what many other police officers represent, where we just want to be the right people to show up and bring the right solution when 911 is called. And I, I took that responsibility seriously, especially after that incident in 2020. How much, um, obviously you deal with, what percentage would you give you're your responding to the bat? 99, maybe more. I mean, it's just, that's what you get associated with. So when, when you're going out about what, what value, um, like a minute ago I was saying, how much changed with in the last five, seven years, has there been a, uh, a, a prominent, has there been a big shift in say community relations on trying to uh, improve the image of, or um, what are there moves being made with different law enforcement agencies or the right people saying like, Hey, this is necessary. Um, and, and I'm, I'm struggling to formulate this question here. Sorry, bro. Um, more of a, do you have the right people who aren't cops and are there good relations with the ones that are cops? Like the movie uh, colors comes to mind, Robert Duvall's character. And like, he was so close with so many of the guys that were doing what they did. He knew it was there, but um, that, that street cred, if you will, that, Hey, this cop's a real thing here, man. Don't be an idiot, you know, kind of thing. How, how much of that's involved or how much of that has changed with the big social media shift on, the target on cops. It's been one of those where unfortunately some high ranks in policing have had a, have realized that certain things needed to change, but it's like, they just are so cemented in the way things were. However, however, a lot of agencies have done very good with adapting to the times in regards to social media, where if something happens, they don't have to wait for the local news to come on at five o'clock to give an update. They'll put it on their Twitter feed or they'll put it on their Facebook page and say, Hey, this is going on. We're aware of the situation and, and really avoid the phrase, no comment at this time, or it's under investigation. Like let the public know as much as you can legally. And, and a lot of times they do. So th like that, I've been impressed with, with, with some that, that needed the social media presence and they've gotten it. So they've gotten with the times, you know, because how many people are checking the local news now? No, people get their news on social media. So that was really important. I think before 2020, we were still at least the department where I worked, we were pretty good about going to community events. Uh, the only thing I disagreed with, and this is me personally, they would push it so hard for officers to go to community events that there'd be more officers than people at some of the events. <laughs> and I thought that was, I thought that was overkill, like big time. 
uh, because the officers would end up just talking to each other and not the people. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we could have had three go and interact with people and not, and, and the others could have been out there doing police work rather than stuck at the community. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, but uh, any agency that's serious about mending relationships or building relationships just has to stick with the times of how people communicate without jeopardizing any kind of professionalism and stuff like that. Do you think that like the population of a city, let's just call it cities versus rural. Um, now, like where Chris lives, I used to live in that town. I should think there's probably like what, 15 or 20 cops in the whole place. To, right. You know, it's just not real big. It's like, well, how big is the town up to? But it was 15,000 when I left. What's it up to now? About 20 something. I would say 20. It It is, it is, it's actually growing. Um, it feels anyways, that's totally no. different. But yeah, it's growing. No. I think I think it's like twenty five actually. I don't want to think where I live exactly, but if you can Google image stuff, you'd probably figure it out. So, um. <laughs> well, so the um, but in every little town, like the one where I'm currently staying, actually, there's only like five cops, and that includes the chief. You know, it's right. just so small, but everybody knows all the cops everybody knows the chief they show up to stuff so it's like this is like the relations in the small towns um is that just the nature of the business where the relations are better in the small towns than they are in the biggest or in the biggins or is there something that might could change is there something that could change that so far as the bigger cities it's which cops are out there the most in certain areas particularly high crime areas and they will be more well known to the people in those areas than, say, an officer who just got assigned to that patrol district. Now, he or she has to work their way into getting to know people. And and there's nothing wrong with me saying this. that They have to earn their respect. Like, uh, no, I understand that if we should when a, when a police officer shows up on a call. You should respect them. And if they're if it's a dangerous situation and they're yelling, everyone, you know, stay back or get your hands up. Yeah, you should uh, uh, comply with them if it's legal, moral, all that. I'm just saying like but but at the same time, the officers have to be their people as well. So they have to earn the respect. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But it does take time, particularly in a bigger city, just because there's just so many more people. Uh, But that's when centralized not centralized but more area focused patrols happen and it's typically the same officers in a neighborhood or a certain area where there's commercial businesses but it's up to the officers to actually get out and meet people and talk to people and then become known and earn the respect of the people they encounter even those that they even the people that uh they have to fight like literally i mean i've been in fights with people and we started off on the wrong foot. But by the end of the arresting process, I was asking them how their kids were doing and we were having a conversation. I mean, it's stuff like that. Uh, it's on. It's it's all about uh, respect, empathy. But yeah, it's, it, don't get me wrong. In a smaller town, way easier to get to know a lot of the people, obviously. You know, that's one thing that us uh, leaders, we learn sometimes by trial and error. But you have to earn the, the respect. Yeah. That's uh, that's that you should already have. Like you mentioned, it. Hey, you should respect those in uh, positions of authority because they, you know, 
they should have the respect that they deserve right but we should respect people in general and that's that's what's lacking mm-hmm. people don't respect each other and you know what the root cause of my personal opinion is people don't respect themselves and typically when they don't respect themselves how can they respect anything else it's, yeah. it's, you, it's yeah. just you bring up a good point i always when i heard that phrase when someone points a finger at you there's what there's there's four fingers but there's three fingers pointing out there's four for whatever pointing back at themselves but also it's like when i had people rage out on me i always had to say to myself it's the uniform they're raging out on it's not me they don't know me and if it's and if and if they did know me from other previous interactions well then guess what yeah they wouldn't have done that they they wouldn't have done it but at the same time they're raging out at me because they're unhappy with something whether themselves or they're just taking out their frustrations with whoever else on me and that's where it's up to the officer to have that empathy and say no 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 something else is going on why are they acting i'm not i'm not excusing it by any means but to be able to see it uh yeah, that that's it's very hard for someone to be respectful to others when they're absolutely angry with their life or don't respect themselves, stuff like that. God, you know what's crazy about that? I was an ROTC teacher for a little bit, and it's just ironic that Chris mentioned that is, you know, I'm telling the kids your first and most important fundamental respect is to oneself. Because if you don't have that, you don't know how you're gonna set the boundaries for what you're gonna allow people to treat you like and how you're gonna treat your mom, especially well, teachers, that- which is that's why I really hammer home mindset to law enforcement because one, the job's stressful enough, but if you get to a point where you're going down a road, this is, this is true for the military as well. If say you're on deployment and you're a, an NCO and you have people you have to lead or you're a higher rank, if you don't take care of what's between the ears and you start to lose respect for yourself or you start to get so disgruntled, that all comes out. Uh, and they say, you know, crap rolls downhill. I'm putting it lightly, right? The rated G version. (laughs) Your personal negative feelings and negative emotions and negative thought patterns all of a sudden is rolling downhill to the other people. And that's not good. Uh, Military and law enforcement. Yeah. we. uh, One thing I also want to point out, man, the earning it, we have a saying uh, whenever we promote our new NCOs and stuff like that. And we tell them, earn it every single day and it's not earning that rank it's earning the respect that is afforded to that rank like it's just a position you it's not your position to hold you just have that one little tiny speck of time that you hold that title so you better earn it while you have it because amen uh, you know what i mean so like you gotta you gotta earn earn it every single day and it's like you said man respect should be given yeah people should respect themselves yes but when you're in those positions don't co- go in there thinking your shit don't stink right because it does yeah. it's what they do. oh it man do. yeah <laughs> i had one there was a there was a uh there was a company grade officer on my first deployment. I will not even get too specific, even though it was 20 years ago. <laughs> um, the The fact he held the rank, he was cussing out E8s and above. I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, it, it was amazing. 
and not a leader by any means. Just, by gosh, I'm this rank. You'll do what I say, and no questions asked. I'm like, I mean, I think one of the best definitions of a leader is someone who can get others to follow them out of curiosity. He was far from that. Uh, no, so anyway, yeah, the whole respect thing. Uh, he he just didn't have it. Yeah, the whole leading out of fear bit. You know, I mean, that's going to motivate right. people to do just the absolute bare minimum. You know, just to, yep. who was it? My my Hollywood hero, Peter Gibbons from Office Space, actually is just like, what's that do? It <laughs> motivates people just enough to do the minimum standard. I'll come in. You know, Carlin talks about that in stand up. You know, it's like it just gets these guys to whatever do it just just barely. Oh man. Uh, you were dabbling, man. You kind of hinted to it in just a couple of your uh, a couple of your discussions, man. You're kind of hinting towards mental health, and um, man, it's it's a pretty serious thing. And um, I was wondering, man, if you might would talk a little bit about your book, Mental Health and the Fight That the Heroes in Blue, and how is it these men and women are just coping with being a cop today? Because I ain't worried about eight years ago. I ain't worried about ten. You can't reflect on that you can you can't get mad at that picture you can reflect on it you can learn from it but talk about it today yeah i wrote that book in 2020 uh actually released it um april of 2020 right before everything fell out from may of 2020 till today however i wrote it because i didn't know until i was 12 13 years into the job that more police were dying by suicide than in the line of duty. And I thought to myself, you mean to tell me I'm just now finding out about this? Like they're all about training us. Yeah. They're all about training us to address the, a, a risk and or a threat that presents itself. And I was more of a threat to myself and I never knew about that statistically. And then, and then needless to say, when I was in the Marines, I mean, th there was nothing about mental health, nothing. I got back from Iraq and, and what they did was they, I told them I had been uh, part of a close mortar fire incident that almost killed me. And they, and the doc was like, okay, well, here's a, a sticky note. Uh, I'm going to put it on the floor. You need to pick it up. I'm like, uh, what? All he was doing was making sure I didn't have some major TBI and I could understand basic commands. I, after that. And after the law enforcement thing, I was like, you know what? There needs to be more done because I know that military law enforcement I myself during that time thought myself to be this invincible warrior who just really felt no pain. And I believe three damaging words, I am fine. And I wasn't fine looking back on it. I know many others that are like that military or law enforcement. I said, we got to get to the bottom of how our brains work at a basic level. And even though you feel called to be in the military, you feel called to be in law enforcement, you, you thrive in high stress situations at time and you, and you really uh, answer the call and, and, and you know, whatever you need to do, you're, you're a good team player. Your brain is still locked in in survival mode at a basic wiring level. So I really dove into that. But then I said, you're like, you don't have to stay there. Uh, and then I also talked about how we can't stay in a fight flight or free state for, for the rest of our lives. We just can't. And the thing is, if you're thinking about a critical incident you are a part of, then you're essentially reliving it, particularly if you think about it first person, and thus there's an emotion attached to it. And your mind can run the risk of not knowing the difference between a thought and the actual events 
if it were occurring. And therefore, you still have stress chemicals firing off. They're not meant to fire off repeatedly. Your body cannot sustain that. And I'm not immune to this. I have health effects because of this state of hypervigilance. I wrote all about that, as well as solutions as to how we can maximize our mind strength. And I think that's very important because nobody bats an eye when people go to the gym, but you all of a sudden say you're working on your mind and people are like, what, something wrong with you? No, nothing's wrong. Just something's bothering me. Can't let it stay there. You're muted, Chris. Yeah, man, you're absolutely right about the whole entire, oh, what's wrong with you, man? You can't handle your stuff. You got to go talk to the shrink. And then like you hear all that shit talk that would happen in the barracks or, uh, or just, you know, talking to crap in the smoke pit. Or, right. you know, all these people are like, oh, well, if you go see Psych, then you could get kicked out, you know. And that whole entire over and over again. So people would not take care of their mental health, like at all. And so we're all just a bunch of delusional people because we never take care of our stuff. Yeah, right. So it's, like- we're just perpetuating it over and uh, just making it worse yeah, it's like stop stop being in denial you're a, you are a human there's no way around it <laughs> but also it's like if you don't go see somebody of eventually you'll get to a point where you either have to go see someone or there's some kind of illness that pops up or or like in law enforcement in particular it was i guess in the military as well if, if you if you don't take care of yourself and you start reacting through adverse behavior or uh, negligent behavior, all of a sudden you're in trouble and you're kicked out regardless whether you want to be or not all because you didn't take the time to take care of yourself mentally. You know, it's interesting because you talk about like high performance stuff and like the mental health. What was it like six years ago at the Olympics? Um, what was your name? Gabby Douglas, right? Like right in the middle yeah. of the competition, dude, she's just like, bro, you know, and then like right. that goes to be one of the ignition sources to go into the coach, um, the, the the whole coach with everything and start started spilling and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of people's like, oh, quitter, 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 quitter. And it's just like, bro, that was actually a kind of cool power move, actually, because now what is that? I'm talking about twenty next year, I think. Isn't she talking about coming back or there was that saw some hints about like just getting back in and compete again. So who knows? Maybe she went and took care of it, and she's been grinding for the last six years. Watch her come back as a serious beast now this time. Oh, I would hope so. I would definitely hope so. But, yeah, I mean, we you can only take so much. And, unfortunately, when you – I feel like when there's that denial piece, when it's like, no, I'm, I'm okay, and we start making excuses or we start uh, living in, like, this cognitive – this state of cognitive dissonance where we – where we're acting different from our beliefs and you're, and you're like, you, you know, you're, you're using, you're using the easy ways to cope, like drinking, gossiping, uh, impulsive behaviors, whether it be spending or sex and all this kind of stuff. And you know, it's not good for, but you're just continuously doing it. And, you, and that doesn't help the mental health either. All because you just can't say, I'm really hurt by something or I'm really bothered by something or I just can't stay going this way. And we just get fixated into the easy ways of coping sometimes or negative thought patterns. It's it's really damaging. And it's just unfortunate that 
military and law enforcement and other first responders in particular, heck, even the people in medical fields, doctors, nurses, they're more at risk for mental health illnesses. And it's just still not, how do I say it? Like normalized or it's just, it's, it's, it's shunned upon like, no, 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 this can't happen to us. It's almost like we're stuck in a big, gigantic ash experiment of conformity, you know, and it's just like, well, you know, I don't want to fess it up, but who knows, you know, you ever wonder why if exactly for those things, those professions, you know, police, dark humor, firefighters, dark humor, the ER docs, dark humor, the EMS, dark humor, you know, we've got the darkest, most darkest humor. It's almost, you wonder like, Oh God, I can't believe you guys would ever say, have you no empathy? Have you no, I can't believe you'd say that. It's just like, well, bro, dude, where's the release at for some of these professions? And I don't know. Dark humor is pretty damn funny sometimes. (laughs) That's true. But yeah, dark humor is pretty, I mean, you know, there's those things we stay away from though, like, like children and and there's certain things you don't joke about, but uh, other things. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if I said I never use dark humor, I'd be lying. (laughs) So when you were doing all that, um, when you were doing the, trying to figure out the why, why is that what inspired your uh, next book, 101 Health Tips for Cops? Yeah, I just wanted to present more solutions because I, I just thought to myself, wait a minute. It, it seems like a lot of people look at mental health as this complicated beast. <laughs> but then I was like, no, there's all these different ways we can take care of ourselves physically, socially, spiritually and mentally. And I just I just wrote more about it. And it was really simple, 101 ways. Some of them, some is uh, some tips as simple as just quotes. That's it. Just to help you think about things a little bit differently. And while you were writing it, how much more fed your brain? How much more did you learn about all the stuff as you were deep doing the deep dive into this? Oh, oh, a ton. I just realized how easy it is to live in a state of survival. Or if you're not careful, you stay in that fight, flight, or freeze. And... Uh, you're just pretty much always stressed out because you're running on, well, it's that analogy of the speedometer where it can't stay in the red. If you're running your car and then you go into the red area, you can't, your, your mind and body are no different. And I learned a lot. And, and that's what led to me pushing past the fear of public speaking, but also pushing into the fear of, I'm probably never going to know it all, but by gosh, I'm going to get out there and tell my story and I'm going to try to tell it to as many people as possible. And, uh, it's that thriving mindset where it's not like instant success. Uh, it's just improvement. It's growth. You don't have to settle for the negative. You don't have to just settle for the way things are. If you work on your mindset, a lot of times things on the outside won't change. But the fact you're looking at them differently or put positive meaning to them or strong meaning to them, it's it's absolutely a thriving mindset, all because of growth. And I think even in the military uh, what do we do a lot? We, we either gossip or we just complain, even in law enforcement. It's just so easy because our brains want to conserve energy and they like what's familiar and what's familiar and what's easy negativity. Cause it's just surrounding all of us. Oh, well, not really. Yeah, exactly. Around. It's just, that's that answer in the call. It was kind of like when we were talking about uh, what percentage gets called. It's just like, that's always negative, you know? And so it's almost like, is that just an inherent classification? How to categorize God? Well, they're only ever here when it's bad. Well, you called me when it got bad. <laughs> That's why you call. You call my old. Who are you going to call? Dominoes? <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody calls nine one one to say, uh, "Hey, we're having a good day." 
<laughs> but uh, no, that I learned a lot when when writing those two books. I mean, it, it was just like, wow, why wasn't I trained on this in the Marines and in law enforcement? And we just we got to start training this stuff a lot more. And I think we can see a big shift in mentality. I really do. The uh, when you were when you were creating the content, right? The books that you mm-hmm. did, and then eventually a podcast and all that stuff. What, what kind of like got you to create that? I usually find something happens. Um, something usually positive happens whenever a negative thing happens. And one thing you kind of alluded to was family. You just realized that you weren't getting that family time. Can you expound a little bit more on that? Oh, yeah. What what catapulted it was, was whenever I did learn just how bad mental health was in law enforcement and, and the military with, what, almost at least 22 suicides per day. Absolutely um, dangerous and sad. The fact that I made mistakes along the way, I was like, you know what? I've got to take what, what happened to me. I, I battled an addiction uh, two years into my law enforcement career. Let me backtrack a little bit before that. When I got home from Iraq in 2005 for a year, uh, my my family relationships were deteriorating. I thought everybody else was a problem because they hadn't seen what I had seen. They they couldn't understand. I thought everyone else was the problem. And then a year later, my dad comes up to me and says, I'm losing you and I'm not going to lose my family. And I had a lot of respect for my dad. So, I mean, that, that shook me. And he said, now, fortunately, we have someone you can go see. And I got treated for uh, in neurolinguistic programming, but it was post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, so there was that, there was the addiction two years in my career. And then uh, fast forward uh, several years from that, uh, I got so wrapped up in the uh, canine job. I was a canine officer. I got so wrapped up in that job that I, I let it become who I was, or at least I thought it was who I was. And my my wife and I started growing apart. And she basically gave me the talk about, it's either me or the job. I mean, she said while we're riding down the road, uh, the summer of 2016, we're riding down the road. And she said with our one-year-old son at the time in the back seat of the car, she said, I'm thinking of doing this on my own. I'm thinking of doing this on my own. It hit me right then and there. I just become so consumed and I thought I was okay. I wasn't and we weren't. Um, I just didn't want people to go through what I did. But at the same time, if, if anyone finds themselves in that situation, you don't have to stay there. You can work your way out of it just like I did. And that was my why. I was just like, I've got to jump into this fight. It doesn't have to be this way. And if it is that way for you right now, then by gosh, take action. Like that's that's the only way it's going to help. Taking action. I mean, yes, there's professional help. But even my psychologist had to tell me, Scott, I can only do so much for you. You're the one that has to change your way of thinking. And and so I did. The... um. Yeah, looking at the yeah, yeah, that's a rough thing. It's almost kind of like you you come back at it, and that's where the uh, that's where that empathy stuff. You know, like a minute ago when you were talking about, you went to see the doc and you put the sticky on the ground. You know, that doc had no empathy. There was just like, okay, here's the checklist, rolling through the thing, and yeah, you know, a little bit of the bedside manner, which is just a lack of empathy. So people thinking like. You know, and you're saying maybe it's everybody else's problem. Well, they didn't see what you said. So how could they look at 
your they they can't look at that world through your lens because only you've you've done that so you know sometimes our adjustment i mean would you agree sometimes our adjustment might would be that self-reflection i'm not saying just because everybody else is right means you're wrong you know but um where does that self-pressure come from or i'm sorry what yeah where does that self-pressure what 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 really takes that i mean does it hit the breaking point in your case hey i'm thinking about doing this on my own like that was the breaking point yeah a lot of people don't change until uh, some like a a a lot of people don't change till they hit a moment like I did or, or there's an illness where your body is so stressed out that literally it manifested itself into an illness. Uh, a lot of people don't change until they have to. That's why I also preach self-awareness. Be honest with yourself. How are you really doing? And if there's something that you don't like about what uh, the way a relationship's going, or you don't, or you don't like the way uh, you feel, you don't like the way uh, you're you, you, like, you feel overwhelmed do something about it, admit it, be aware about it, do something about it. Uh, but it is amazing how just a lot of times we don't change until we absolutely have no choice, but to change. Uh, but, but that's where, uh, that's where I believe the military is good. in so far as like the self-discipline, like the, the, the discipline to, to show up for yourself and to, to work out or, or to, put forth a morning routine to read a certain amount of pages of inspirational material, whatever that may be for you, that kind of thing. And that's what I know for one, the Marine Corps definitely helped me with the discipline aspect. So whenever I did realize there was a problem, I was like, well, I can, I can instill a certain routine or certain steps and enact the discipline to, to get it done. Uh, but it shouldn't have to be all the time that someone changes uh, only because they have to, because of a, well, I mean, like a crisis happens. Mm-hmm. There's um a lot of um there's a lot of speakers and academics. They uh, do lots of teaching. Uh, you've got podcasts out there. You've got teaching business owners, teaching, and even going to the point of really championing stoicism. You know, Ryan Holiday is a keynote guy. He does a lot of stuff, and and he's taught. He he like reaches way back to the Romans and brings that into. Yeah current business, you know, Greg Harden, you know, mindset of champions, you know, he, he worked with love him or hate him, Tom Brady, you know, and like that stuff, every time you turn around, you're like, what did Tom do after every time the defense goes back on it? Where's he on the right side of that far end of the bench? He's sitting there looking at his little tablet. That dude's discipline was just so like, it was just not the dude was a machine, you know, Jordan Peterson, he's, well, I wouldn't say he so much talks about it a lot, but by God, he's stoic as hell when he's doing all his interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. And with a few exceptions, he has emoted in in a few in a couple of cases, like where that humanity in him just really came out. And another dude, really popular, uh, uh, he's a little he's pretty he's pretty excited about it. That dude, Andrew Tate, you know, he's talking about like people making money sitting there doing, and he's got such a following of really young people. Uh, mostly men. Same thing with like, you know, Jordan Peterson. He talks about like the, with men a lot, but his, he's got, he's got every, he's got almost equal amounts of men and women, you know? So, you know, here you've got, or the martial artists, you know, you got that, anybody who rolls, anybody who comedy, anybody like that, they know that full well, the importance of, you know, focus of values, focus, drive, motivation. So, 
you know, service members have that more than most uh, in my experience. But uh, my question would be, with stoicism, do you value it? How much? What's its importance in the line of what you do? And why is it so often that, uh, that, that stoicism is often confused with, oh, you don't care? Right. Uh, it, yeah. When, when I, the main thing for regarding stoicism for me is just tranquility of the mind. Uh, that doesn't mean you won't ever feel a negative emotion because by gosh, if a family member passes away, you should feel very sad. I get that. Uh, however, the resiliency and stoicism can definitely help with resiliency, being able to bounce back after a hard time uh, and just really focusing on mind strength. But that that's what comes to mind with stoicism. But the more clear you are in the mind through whatever means you're doing, the more you're able to it, it go. I mean, in my opinion, it goes back to what we were talking about originally with respect and, and empathy is no different where if the more, the more at peace you are with who, who you are, the more strength you have in between the years, the more resilient you are, the more empathetic you can be towards other people because you're not so focused on a negative thought pattern, whether it be a victim mindset or just looking at everything bad, including other people. Wouldn't you suggest, though, um, or would you agree, disagree, that like a focus on negative emotion and positive or negative and the positive are both almost equally important with stoicism? I'm not saying get wrapped up in one extra on one and then the other, but right. it's kind of almost like a yin and a yang to just dealing with a lot of that. I mean, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I would say. Uh, it, but but at the same time, uh, stoicism is about virtue, and we know that we can't be so wrapped up in negative that we're going to be virtuous. <laughs> so uh, I would definitely say uh, we, we, we have to not lie to ourselves. Like if something bad happens and we go, oh, I, uh, you know, the, I'm not a big fan of affirmations. I mean, if you're not happy in the moment, why would you say I'm happy? <laughs> Your brain's going to call you out on that. <laughs> but, um, however, being able to say, how can I become stronger because of this? What can this mean for me? What kind of person am I to get through this? And what can I become on the other side of it, stuff like that. Uh, just be, and looking that in as a more poised mindset that rather than panic or out of stress because you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. And um, I think that I was just kind of looking also to get another, I, I've received a lot of you know, it's kind of almost made a mock. I've had a couple of friends. I've had a couple of family one time. Was, oh, we've got a stove on our hands. Oh, it's just like, bro, man, I can't help it if you can't control your emotions, dude. And you're going to laugh. More power to you there, big boy. <laughs> so yeah. it's almost kind of like it gets mixed up or like discipline. Like somehow, why? Because you want to have the focus. He's over-disciplined. What? <laughs> what? You, should, you know what? It, that, that that brings up a good point in the fact that if you can't be happy for the the mental strength or the success of other people, then you're really not happy with yourself, and you'll never get to a point where they are. Like I used to get, 
my one of my weaknesses is comparison. Mm. And I'll see someone who's I don't like I like I'm a speaker now. And I've seen some people who launch successful speaking businesses in less than two years. I'm three years into it. It's still a building process. Sometimes I'll find myself comparing myself to these other speakers. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you're doing it. You're doing it because it, it, it completely robs anyone of joy. But it also it's like, no, I need to be happy for them because if I'm not happy for them, then I'm not ready to have the success that they're having. Nor, you know, nor how is that any virtue in not being happy for someone else? So when you said, you know, Nooch, when you said that story, I'm just like, wow, that, that brings up the whole comparison thing as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, you need to be happy for other people. And dare I say it, uh, I mean, we're not live. Y'all need to take this out, take it out. But <laughs> uh, I I don't like how in America right now, there's a lot of resentment towards the rich. I think there needs to be a mentality of how can we be like the rich? How can we be like the successful? Let's Let's, let's be proud of them and stuff like that. Well, you know, it was, um, I think it, it was, it was the first podcast that Chris asked me to jump in for, uh, it was that, who's the guy over in England? Um, Chris? Charles? Yeah. 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 And uh, well, one of the things that it would, I said is it's, it's winning or losing, right? So losers hate winners. And losers will talk bad about other losers and tell them what losers they are because that's what their losing mindset is. They they have lost any kind of motivation to go. Now, losers, now winners don't hate losers. This is one of the things they're just too busy freaking winning because they're hanging around with people with a similar mindset. Winners don't hang out with losers, winners hang out with other winners, and that's why they're winning. You know, so so yeah, okay. Say what you want. And, And like, I think that what that is, is uh, when we start talking about like um, when when equity, you know, gets misused and it gets confused with a quality of outcome, regardless of the effort put into. That's like, you know, is what every baseball team needs to have their turn at winning the World Series? No. I hate that the Yankees got 28% of the tennis. I freaking hate the Yankees. I'm tired of them winning. New England got tired of them winning back in the 90s. Whoever won right. the San Francisco-Dallas game was going to win this Super Bowl. got so tired of it. You know, but, you know, with the Michael Braun argument right now, Jordan and LeBron, you know, they're both winners in different eras of what they got. And that's earlier. It's like, stop comparing to then. It was a different time. Yeah, good point. I like that. Oh, yeah, I like I like that you said the. Yeah, winners don't hate losers, but losers hate winners, and winners just keep hanging out with the winners. Yeah, and losers keep hating on winners. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, very good point. But they're also hating on other losers. You hear them? It's called that gossip. Sitting there talking to us, it's like, oh, that that guy, he ain't nothing. Well, you ain't either. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one oh, more book. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, well, I was just going to say, if anyone really wants to read more into that kind of mindset, I cannot recommend the book uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. I cannot read it, recommend it enough. A very good book. And it also helped me uh, when I was going through a low point right before I got out of law enforcement. No, well, uh, just before I got out of active full time law enforcement. So uh, anyway, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. I- I'll give credit where credit is due for sure. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. So I got, a, 
I got a, I got a, I got a little tidbit, man. And you guys just kind of really made me think about this a little bit more. You know, a lot of people measure wealth, right? What is wealthy? We were like, well, rich, monetary. A lot of people like to measure it by a monetary way. But real wealth, people, is something that you can't even touch. Right. Real wealth are those things that matter. You can't trade them. You can't uh, sell them. You can't even uh, benefit from them except for you know love like the rich wish they had it they may not they can never buy it they can't buy love that is something that you know is is a real measurement of wealth so just because somebody has money doesn't mean that they're they're doing better and that's everybody's like oh they're always doing better they always think the grass is greener on the other side of the other side of the lawn but it may not necessarily be that way and i i really think that people need to look at what they could do just to be happy at where they're at and once you start doing that things start happening for you bro that's called water your own grass and then your grass is going to be as green as the dude that you're sitting there comparing your grass to exactly then then you'll be wealthy and rich you know people would just do that you know just water your own damn grass you know like take take measure where you're at and be grateful for what you have and um once you start doing that you know there's ways to to i don't want to say necessarily manifest you know whether you're praying to god for them or you're drawing them on the vision board and uh, asking the spaghetti uh, meatball monster, uh, pastafarians, you know. Um, <laughs> I just, Pastafarians. you know, you got you got to put your time and en- energy to yourself too. And a lot of people just don't want to do that. They want to press that easy button. You know, look at the yeah. lottery. Look at the lottery. Over a billion dollars right now. <laughs> and dudes are lining up like they've got the new iPhone 19 or whatever. Got to get that ticket. Come on, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. But then again, think about how many people win the lottery and then go broke within six six years yeah. or less than a decade. Because and that's that freaking thing a minute ago. You got all that money. Now you're just an idiot. Your mindset ain't right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. But then, uh, Chris, you brought up uh, being grateful. That was actually one of the that was actually one of the ways I worked my way out of depression at one point in my life. The psychologist told me to uh, write down three things that I was grateful for at the end of the day, and uh, he said you have to write complete sentences. And I thought this is so stupid. There's no way this is going to change my mindset. Thirty days later, all of a sudden, I'm thinking of more things that I'm grateful for rather than always thinking about the negative first thing, like split second. And uh, it really changed my mindset around. And uh, you talk about things that wealth can't touch, like. My children, I mean, as much as they drive me up the wall, like today was just not a good day with them a lot of times. But uh, when they smile, I feel like the wealthiest man alive. And I just I'm in the present when they smile. And I just I'm very grateful for that. And gratitude actually releases uh, serotonin. And I talk about serotonin in my first book, which helps to stabilize your mood. But then, uh, you know, when you when, when when that's released, then you can have a better mindset and then you can start well watering your own grass and then you can start working your way towards being more wealthy and more successful and more rich. So, yeah, I mean, it all, it all works. 
I saw this bit not too long ago, and it was talking about the power of a smile. Like it's almost impossible if you are inherently a more positive person. I'm not saying all like, oh, everything is awesome, like that old Lego movie and stuff like that. You know? Wait, are we doing musical now? Everything. Oh, come on now. (laughs) You can catch me getting my. (laughs) You know, but. Two things I thought was really cool, that I thought that were really cool about that. One, you know, he was talking about how if you're in the presence of other people or even just one person going in and smiling in a room, um, things start changing. There was a yeah. clip on a bus one time or like a, a subway or something. It was a total social experiment. The dude's just sitting over there. Like he's just looking at his phone and just laughing hysterically at whatever. And then you got two guys on the car and they're sitting there and everybody else. It just, it was so infectious, but this is what got me the most. Like the study was at a college and they studied people's yearbook pictures back in high school or whatever. And then in college or whatever else they found and compared that to their life expectancy. So check this out. People, you know, they're Debbie Downers or whatever. Um, 72 on a good day, maybe 73. But the dude steady positive, whether or not they, they were surrounding themselves with that all the time, bumped up average another seven years. Dude, 79 and change. So life expectancy, just like, that's not saying smiling is going to make it all go away. It's just saying mindset is how you started your day. Give me three grateful things. Boom. Yes. Um, one more book I wanted to ask you about, it was in your third one, which was like kind of a blend between the first two, you know, uh, comparing that to one of the things we always say in the Navy, or I'm sure it's the same. I don't know. Maybe when you were going through your, um, with your MOS schools, uh, man, when you get to the fleet, you'll see how it's really done or, uh, you know, you'll see, or, you know, this, this is the theory, you know, practical application is later, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is like to try to say that, like, there was no value, but there is, you know, so, you know, truths beyond the Academy. When you wrote that book, um, you weren't saying throw out all the lecture and instruction because that's important. However, I think that schools like those, for instance, um, or they do their best to try to prep the people for whatever. What is it that the Academy does its best to try to prepare the cadets for, but just can't do it until you get out on the street and you're a beat cop when you hit the field. Well, one of the things that struck me first was you, the Academy cannot prepare you on how to work with officers or like seasoned officers. It just can't, you just have to learn that. That's one of the things I dive into in the book. But that can also apply for anyone getting out of their basic training or Marine Corps boot camp. How how do you – yeah, obviously you know to address your superiors by their rank or sir or ma'am if they're you know officers, but uh, embracing the concepts of teamwork and knowing when to ask questions and admitting mistakes and not butting into conversations with the experienced officers. Instead, listen to them, learn from them, stuff like that. Also – uh, really value the time to, I, I get very specific in that book. I say, you have no idea how much camaraderie can happen when you just break bread at a table and have a meal together. 
because it can be so easy to, well, particularly in policing, it's like this officer has to go do this. This officer has to go do this, this officer. And then 12 hours go by a full shift is done. When did we actually take time for each other in the sense that if we don't build the team, then when the team is tested, it might not show up as well as it could. So camaraderie is a big one for me. Uh, but I, I dove into I dove into kind of echoing what I wrote about in the first book. Like, you're a human. There's no way around it. You're going to be exposed to things, whether it's negativity and toxicity within the four walls of a department or within your unit, if you're in the military, to things you could be exposed to on a deployment or on a 911 call. Military and police, kind of the same thing, same concepts. Your brain can only take so much of it if you do not work on taking care of yourself day in and day out. Like you have to, there's no choice or else you'll end up like me and so many others are heaven forbid worse. Those suicide, suicide ideations and you actually go through with it. It's, it's just like nobody's immune. And I made that point very clear, take care of yourself. And then hopefully you're part of a good team. And if you're not part of a good team, then be that inspiration to bring that team together. It's possible uh, because you're there for the same calling, same mission you know, you can, you can, it's not going to be easy, but it's worth the effort. You know, in that moment that, um, you find yourself being led by one of those leaders that are a little less desirable and morales down and people find themselves making horrible mistakes because that's, that's what happens in, in poor leadership. Uh, environments i'm not saying it's it's all poor leadership but it's it's more than likely big contributor yeah and the thing is is you poor leadership gives opportunity to good new leaders to let their light shine for others that need it so that's That poor leadership moment is a great opportunity for those, uh, you know, in little micro levels, even if it's peer to peer, show good leadership by being the example, by helping others with with their stuff. And just, you know, going out there out of the box, man, like that could be so beneficial for your leadership role if you ever find yourself in a situation like that 100 man you hit the nail on the head and and don't get me wrong I've, I've said it earlier i'm saying it again a lot of what i write about a lot of what i teach about is based on mistakes that i made but the lessons i learned and the thing is it's like when i was a sergeant on my second deployment there were a lot of mistakes i made as a new sergeant but i took those lessons i learned and then applied them in policing and just to help, and I, I never held rank in law enforcement, but there were officers out there who were struggling. I knew they were struggling, but unfortunately, their supervisors, they were managers. Their, their sergeants were managers. They weren't leaders. And I was the one reaching out saying, something's bothering you. What is it? And they would finally open up about it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, what you said is just never underestimate your power to make a good influence, even if there is bad leadership up top or wherever the case, like do what you can focus on what you can control yourself, your mind and take care of yourself. So you can be that much better for others. uh, Even if it's just one other person. You know, I think this is a good time to switch over to 
uh, final round, save save rounds and alibis. Um, <laughs> does anybody else that, that was Nuccio? You just got me. You're like the only person who can break through my thing. Dude, but, I got skills, man. I can hack that Mac, dude. <laughs> so let's move on to the final rounds and uh, save rounds and alibis. So you have anything right. else before we go into there? No, I'm 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 thinking I'm looking back at our conversation going, what did we not cover? <laughs> I know, man. No, that was that was a good one. Um Great. what content I, I know you've written your books and I'm really glad Nuccio got all, all those out there because um it's really important for us as individuals to improve ourselves. And one way to do that um is by digesting content opening up a book or putting a book in your ears, you know, for those who don't like to read or are always out on the machine working outside, you know, that's, that's me. Um, What content do you recommend people to digest while they're transitioning? Well, return to roots, built a vet, you know, that's, that's a good one. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) I I would definitely, (laughs) I would definitely also say uh, listen to inspirational material the first thing in the morning, or maybe not first thing, but like very early in the morning before your the hustle and the bustle of the day starts, uh, uh, whether it be the demands of of having a family or uh, you go into work and there's gossip or, I mean, heck, even before you check the headlines, just listen to some inspirational stuff. Uh, I've got some, uh, I, I have mindset stuff that I cover on my podcast, on my YouTube channel, the 10 code mindset, just something that can feed your brain because the more you do that, the stronger you will feel. Thus, when the challenge of transitioning from military to civilian life happens, uh, you'll have that much more inspiration. You'll have that much more mindset going into it. It's for many, it's not easy and it's okay that it's not easy, but are you going to get stuck in not easy or are you gonna are you gonna get negative or take the victim mentality no 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 no. you if if you listen to something constructive each and every day or read something uh first thing in the morning uh, you're that much better to withstand the storm that can happen from transition because it's it, it can be a challenge so i hope that i hope that answered your question <laughs> i love it man you you reiterated the I, yeah, was it? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You know, the little engine that can. <laughs> there you well, go. Yeah, I, can. I, think I, can. I think I can. Yeah, I think I can. That's it, man. Hey, don't don't uh, don't challenge me to misquote a uh, a movie or a show. I'm I'm right there. I got it. I got all the misquotes. I'm that guy. <laughs> oh man, hey Scott. So, what do you tell your 17 year old Scott Medlin? What do you tell that guy to uh, do to make what, what choice? What do you tell him uh, to prepare for his transition from when the day comes? It's time to move on. What do you tell that guy? You did what you did. Like you were in the military, you were in law enforcement because of who you are. You didn't, you're not who you are because of what you did. What you do your military time, I mean, heck, for me, 15 years law enforcement, that wasn't who I was. It was a big part. It was a big passion. Learned a lot from it. I get it. 
but the but you cannot put your value in what you're doing externally because if you do does that mean when you get out of the military or you get out of the law enforcement wherever you are that you're less of a person oh heck no absolutely not remember who you are it's, it's just like the freaking lion king you know he's talking to simbo and mufasa appears from the sky and he's like remember who you are as corny as it sounds it's so true <laughs> but uh, seriously uh, always have a growth mindset to keep growing as a person because things you do externally are going to eventually stop. And what's amazing about the military and law enforcement, other f- career fields, they're going to move on without you. And if you put all your weight into who you are based on those things and they move on and you haven't, it's going to make it that much harder. Uh, you're a valuable person. Keep growing as a person because you can never be perfect. And with a growth mindset, even if you encounter pain on the other side, you'll find success you never thought possible. And that's what I would tell my 17-year-old self. Yeah, I could dig it, bro. I could definitely dig that, man. You're definitely getting some heavy nods on this end because you're just like killing it, bro. And one of the biggest things that we talk about is mindset, man. And you've said it. I lost count. I think I was over here marking a little paper. He said, mindset, 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 mindset. It's (laughs) that consistency over and over and over. And, you know, uh, neuro, was it linguistic neuro? Neuro Neurolinguistic programming. But there's actually, you know, there's this big term called, and I hope you don't mind me adding this. There's, I write about my first book, Neuroplasticity. Where basically it's a big word, but the, the shortened meaning of it is basically your mind has the ability to rewire itself so you perceive things differently or you disconnect uh, the the negative emotion from a negative event. Instead, you put, well, like Marshall, your previous guest said, you put a, a positive meaning to a negative event, stuff like that, to help you grow stronger. It is possible through the process of neuroplasticity. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but like what I got treatment wise was neurolinguistic programming to disconnect the kind of first person view of what I encountered on the uh, deployments that that were dangerous. Yeah. And, and I want to reiterate to our listeners transitioning. It's not just from the military. We all transition in our own way. So and that this applies so much like you're you're all about the law enforcement you know firefighters ems um um, even even school teachers and stuff like that you know it's a it's a big uh there's big transitions out there we all go through them so i want to make sure that people understand that you know listening to our content listening to your content can help pretty much anybody um one thing I want to hammer down on is um, how, what's the secret sauce in getting into the correct mindset? What got you into that correct mindset? Oh man, my, uh, my faith. Uh, I had, I've, I've been a believer my whole life, but God's not just going to do something for me. I've got to show up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just have to have faith that what happened, uh, he, I was not alone when it did happen and that he won't let me down. However, I still have to take action as an individual. And what I started to do was I had to change. Like when I battled depression, I was always focusing on the negative so so much that I couldn't even recognize any blessings in my life. 
or when I was going through the leaving canine and I, and I realized, man, I let this job become who I was. And I was like, no, th this is not who I was. I have to figure out who I am again and what I can do because there's something else I can do to make an impact and stuff like that. It, people are probably going to cut uh, pause or, or they're going to press pause or they're going to go to another podcast episode. Now, when I say this word, <laughs> meditation, <laughs> all right, hear me out. <laughs> uh, basically, it's not some process you have to dread. Uh, I bashed it for the longest time. But then when I started to actually practice it, once I got my ego out of my way, I uh, started off three minutes, five minutes. Now, the most I ever do is 15 minutes. But here's the deal. We as people are basically uh, a sum of our stories and emotions, essentially, uh, from the past. Uh, what I started to do was I realized that the past was just eating away. I mean, like like the negative emotions felt in the past, I was projecting them into the future. Like in the Marines, we had a saying, hope for the best, expect the worst. Now, that was what got us through deployments and certain operations and stuff like that. But that's not a way to think about life. But I was wrapped up in that. So I started meditating and I got so uh, present in the moment or I, I got so vivid in visions of what I wanted to create for myself in the future that I actually started feeling emotions towards those future events. They hadn't even happened, but I was feeling like they were. So I started waking up with these visions of the future that I wanted to create, not saying that there wouldn't be challenges in life. There are, but it was just, it was just rewiring my brain. So I recommend to anybody uh, guided meditations, uh, particularly first thing in the morning when your brain is in a very moldable state and start slow with it and then work your way up to a point that you can tolerate. Like if I meditate more than 15 minutes, I don't really like it. Uh, it's it's very powerful, and I, and I can't recommend it enough. That and keep moving your body. Stay active. I, my faith and exercise were, were really two big things as well before I started meditating. Uh, exercise really helps your body with your mental health as well. Uh, so keep moving. I mean, what do they say in the fight? Keep moving. Uh, just don't stop moving. Stay active. So those were those are some big things right there. What did it take for you to find your purpose? Unfortunately, it it took me going through some challenges. I never thought that would ever happen to me. Uh, but then when I realized I don't have to keep it secret, I can talk to people. And yeah, there might be people who judge and say, wow, you're really messed up. But no, I'm not. I'm just willing to talk about things that people have gone through, people felt. Uh, I'm just willing to talk about it. And then uh, when, when I heard that the more you, the more... The phrase, when you feel helpless, become helpful. When I heard that, I said, you know what? How many times have you helped someone and you felt better because of it? And I like when, when you help someone, you feel better. But then again, you got to be careful because if you're helping someone and then posting about it, that's just feeding your ego, not your purpose. Uh, so I, I think that as humans, as we grow and as we um, help people more and more, that's that the the purpose will come in the form of whether it's speaking or writing or or uh, or I mean, heck, even being an electrician, you're, you're serving others. It's just whatever you can do to serve others. That's your purpose. So I know that was a long winded answer, but that's, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> no, nah, man, it's 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 relevant content, man. I mean, just like podcasts, your books, it's all it's it's absolutely all relevant. Um I don't think I would be at all 
presumptuous to say Chris man this is just absolutely a great uh a great talk with Scott here but um thank you with how how can uh, how can people get hold of you man uh your sites your websites or anything like that point them in the right direction anybody who wants to come learn some more yeah absolutely my website is the com, but uh you can follow me at the 10 code mindset on YouTube or I just got on Instagram because someone told me, Hey man, stop. You got to get on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram now uh, at the 10 code mindset and I'm on LinkedIn as well. I, I really am all over, but if you want to find how to get to those, uh, the And I've, I don't just speak to law enforcement. I've spoken to corporate as well uh, about crisis communication and de-escalation and, and, and uh, in addition to mental health. And uh, I really, really enjoy speaking. It has become a huge passion of mine just because I, I really like to see uh, when people are inspired and then hear about the action they took because of the inspiration they got. Uh, so it, it's a big team effort for sure. Absolutely. That's that winning, begetting winning bit right there. <laughs> you got to do it. <laughs> well, brother, hey, thanks for coming on, hanging out with Nuccio and I. Uh, talking to the uh, Mildevet Return of Roots listeners. Um, we really do appreciate you coming on here, man. Like, you first came on here uh, before we were recording. You're like, man, you've had some like heavy hitters. I'm honored to be on here, but it's, it's such a, it's such a honor of ours to be able to spend time and just talk about real talk, things that, we all should be having these conversations in our little tiny groups and stuff like that is like reaching out and networking with each other and helping each other out. It's just, a, it's awesome to be able to share this space with you, brother. So thank you for taking your time and coming over here and hanging out with us. Oh, my honor. I, I'm, I'm really, really thrilled. I, I was able to come on the podcast today and be a guest. I really am honored. So thank you. And uh, yeah, to any listener out there, if, if you find yourself going through a hard time, uh, keep listening to Chris, Nooch, Yogi, whoever. Just uh, uh, stick with this podcast, but uh, don't give up. Just keep showing up, and uh, you know we we can. When there's you're not alone. That's the main thing. You're not alone. Uh, but once again, guys, thank you so much. Yeah, brothers. Hey, Mildevet listeners out there. All right, it's not all rainbows and unicorn, and we heard our man. Uh, talk about his mindset go find his content out there and listen to it he shares his stories he shares now he's on instagram he's no longer uh the old era he's <laughs> out there helping people out right so go out there listen to his content and like i said earlier it's not all rainbows and unicorn it is your transition so take charge of it mill the vet 